A very good Friday. Welcome to this edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. Coming up in the show here today, we'll bring you feature agricultural news reports, and then we'll check in with national and regional agricultural news headlines as well. And we get started with regional agricultural news right after this. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcast, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Net Magazine on the, every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. Rain has become an issue for strawberry growers. That, according to Jim Grabowski of Well Picked, he says compared to the historical average, they're probably three to four weeks behind where they should be. The cold and rain have pushed things back, he says, noting production is coming out of the Oxnard region. While they can use the water in California, he says it has been a consistent heavy rain, and that means volume production out of California will likely come on January 23rd with an eye ahead on the Valentine's Day poll. Valentine's signals spring strawberry season, and retailers like to use strawberries as a kickoff with stem strawberries or strawberries in general. That poll usually starts a week to 10 days before, according to Grabowski. Production will start in Oxnard until the end of April or into the middle of May. That marks the start of the sizable California production cycle. At that time, given districts will overlap in production, Santa Maria begins in April and Watsonville starts at the beginning of May. Meanwhile, demand continues to be strong for strawberries, even with the higher pricing that's being seen right now. Prices are significantly stronger compared to this time last year. He says he thinks they will stay strong for the next couple of weeks until both Florida and California volume picks up, and then they'll probably see a steady decline of prices. Among the State Farm Bureau Federations, the California Farm Bureau Federation was recognized with an award of excellence at the recent American Farm Bureau Federation convention in Puerto Rico. The awards of excellence recognize state farm bureaus that demonstrate outstanding achievements in four program areas, which include advocacy, coalitions and partnerships, engagement and outreach, and business and leadership development. With roots in the organic and sustainable produce trade for 38 years since 1985 and with grower partnerships across the globe in both the southern and northern hemispheres, Awesome Organics in the U.S. welcomes Gabriel Avalos to lead their team as general manager. A 20-plus veteran in the produce industry, he brings with him experience and strong performance in many agricultural business operations, including demand supply planning, sales and operational planning, supply forecasting, harvesting operations, grower management, strategic planning, supply chain and sourcing within international and domestic markets, and building and managing high-performing teams. As a cross-functional team builder and dedicated professional, he has a successful track record of developing, implementing, and driving company-wide planning and business practices, according to Awesome. 
The International Fresh Produce Association mourns the passing of Ron Karkowski as past chair of the United Fresh Produce Association and member of the industry-wide Produce Traceability Initiative. As chair of United, Karkowski led the development of UFPA's strategic plan and the evolution of the United Fresh Start Foundation to focus on improving child nutrition. Prior to becoming chair of United in 2014, Karkowski was vice chair of the United Fresh Wholesaler Distributor Board, where he was instrumental in developing education and resources for the benefit of this market segment. The California Dairy Innovation Center has announced six California winners of Dairy Business Innovation Initiative grants by the Pacific Coast Coalition, the USA-funded initiative hosted by Fresno State University, supporting dairy product process and packaging innovation. The winners include Capstone Ranch, Wonder Cow of Madera County, Central Coast Creamery of San Luis Obispo County, Foggy Bottom Boys of Humboldt County, Nicasio Cheese Company of Marin County, Shook Family Farmstead of Monterey County, and Weston Dairy Farm of Glen County. The grants are the first in a $1.8 million DB2 award from the USDA that created the Pacific Coast Coalition to support dairy businesses in California, Oregon, and Washington in the development, production, marketing, and distribution of dairy products. These are supplemented by additional phases of funding now through 2025, totaling over $20 million announced in November by USDA. A second round of funding, which will award around $4 million in grants from $50,000 to $1 million dollars will be announced this month. Friends of the Dixon Mayfair has increased its scholarships to $25,000 for 2023. The nonprofit reorganized its agricultural-related scholarship program and renamed it the Donnie and Tootie Huffman Scholarship Program in honor of its founding president and treasurer. The top award, the newly created Donnie Huffman Scholarship, is $5,000. Other awards in a four-year university category include the $4,000 Joanne G. Ani Scholarship, the $3,500 Esther Armstrong Memorial Scholarship and the newly created $3,000 Joe Gates Memorial Scholarship commemorating the longtime auctioneer of the Dixon Mayfair's Junior Livestock Auction. Gates of Rio Vista passed away in February of 2021 of COVID-19. The Friends will also fund two $3,000 scholarships in a four-year category for a total of $21,500. In a two-year community college category, the Friends will award the Jack Hopkins Scholarship at $1,500 and two $1,000 scholarships for a total of $3,500. The all-volunteer organization is a service and fundraising arm of the fair. Since 2000, the Friends have awarded $233,250 to Solano County students majoring in ag-related fields. For more information, contact the Friends of the Dixon Mayfair by calling 530-219-8090. Soil and Crop Incorporated is your number one resource for sustainable nutrition. Growers are faced with difficult challenges, and Soil and Crop Inc. has the experience, fertilizer, and biological portfolio to dramatically increase yield and performance in your troubled orchards and fields. Contact Soil and Crop Incorporated today for a free consultation on how we can help reverse the challenges you face as a conventional or organic grower so you can increase your bottom line and become a better sustainable farmer. Contact us today at 559-564-1236 or visit our website at www.callnrg.com. Soil and Crop, putting nature to work for you. With prices of tree nuts where they are and inputs up, finding new ways to tend to trees and unlock their potential to utilize resources efficiently is key. 
One of the best ways to do this also, one of the more recently studied areas of agriculture, is facilitating soil health. Microbes in the soil, when present and fed, can help trees utilize resources in the soil more efficiently and can indirectly lead to yield benefits in tree nuts, according to Helier's Cassidy Million. Improving soil health can actually be measured indirect function with these trees, which is really cool. Knowing that underground, we can actually increase these trees functions and improve them. So how we're measuring that and what I mean by increasing the function is that what we see is that um, we're able to one, see a difference from the soil perspective. So we're seeing differences in the soil structure and the increased biological activity. And the impact that has on the tree's function is, is that one, we're seeing actually an above increase in above ground productivity. And I mean that in terms of yield and increasing the nut quality of those crops. We also see that we can increase your nutrient use efficiency because we're increasing the soil structure, that microbial activity. We see that we're having more NPK availability and more um, uptake by the plant. So we're getting more production per by acre or sorry, by pound of acre of um, nutrient applied. We also see the same with water use efficiency. We can see that we have more use of the water. So for every um, pound per acre of nut we're producing, we're using less water to produce that pound. We're also seeing that from a stress standpoint, so abiotic stressors, that we're able, that those trees that have a more soil health, higher soil health uh, parameters in the soil, that we're, those trees are able to withstand more abiotic stressors in the terms of drought and heat stress compared to those that have poor soil health. Studies are showing that marketable quality of nuts is also higher when soil health practices are implemented. Growers are getting more meat per nut in these scenarios. Million detailed an ongoing soil health trial Helier has been conducting in almonds, and so far it's clear that good soil health pays the grower. Improving soil health in almond orchards specifically pays the grower, um, which is the bottom line, which is really cool. So for these studies that we've conducted over the three years, we applied Phycoterra to the soil um, at around four times throughout the growing season for a total of three gallons an acre application in total. So we did multiple measurements during this three-year study. We measured soil health parameters. We also looked at tree establishment in younger orchards. And then of course, we looked at those quality parameters, yields, and then ROI. So at the end of this three years, what we have found is that on average, we're able to, from a soil health perspective and structure perspective, is increase our water holding capacity on average about 5.5% compared to the untreated controls. So that's really important when we're talking about drought instances because we're able to hold water down in those root zones for a longer period of time to help them get through those stressors. We also see that we're able to increase the larger soil aggregates by around 11%. And so when I'm talking about soil aggregates, I'm talking about in the soil, the actual soil particles, the larger the particles, the better structure we're seeing. So we're actually creating more of those larger particles by activating those microbes, increasing those glues and those nets from fungal um, excretions and increasing the overall soil structure. So what we find from this increase as well is that we're getting better water infiltration. We see increase in that soil aeration and then overall increased microbial activity, which we know is key for soil health. Um, another thing to look at is 
how do we get through stress when we're applying phycoterra versus not, and specifically abiotic stress. So what we found is that these orchards that had the phycoterra treatment were able to withstand drought and heat stress much more easy than those untreated controls. So all of these measurements in total are indirect measurements and direct measurements of um, the main mode of action of phycoterra, which is acting as a superior food source to feed those native microbes in the activity. And in case we see that by increased overall microbial activity. Um, the last thing I think is really cool is looking at the younger orchards that we did trials in. So we did multiple locations with these trials over multiple years. In the younger orchards in specific, we looked at once we improve soil health by feeding those microbes, we can actually lead to faster and stronger establishment of those trees and those orchards. And we looked at that through the measurements of the average truck diameter. And what we found is that we increased that average truck diameter over three years by around 45% compared to the non-treated control. So again, the biggest takeaway we found is soil health does pay. Um, we also looked at that in terms, of course, of yield and ROI. And what we saw is that the soil health benefits compounded year after year, but also we saw that compounding happening in terms of yield, yield almost doubled from year one to year, year two, and that followed with ROI. Soil health practices and benefits are still a relatively understudied topic, and although benefits have been proven, Million thinks that looking into its effect on water and fertilizer productivity is where growers will really see the most potential moving forward with the changing climate. I think the biggest focus I have from one in a scientific perspective, but also looking at the environment as a whole, what we're producing in today is water. Water productivity is key, um, especially in California right now, especially with the uncertainties that we're having in available water resources. This could really be one of the biggest threats we're seeing to the California almond industry. So I think water is definitely one of the keys to focus on is how can we continue to increase our water productivity through things like soil health, but other um, amendments that we can use and practices that we can use to help with that. In addition to water fertilizer use efficiency, I know this is a hot topic, especially with, um, you know, number one prices and volatility in the marketplace, but also there's new things coming in from a regulatory perspective that might have us change our fertilizer uses as they are. So I think tackling how can we use soil health in terms to help us for fertilizer use efficiency is definitely another area of interest. So looking into those a little bit more deeper, understanding the interactions between soil health microbes and both water and fertilizer to really deep understand that mode of action to help us increase both of those things um, are on the forefront of my mind and I know us here at Helie. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Charlstrom. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bees' pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure. Be precise. Be Hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be Hero. Superior bees, superior pollination. 
One recent development in a packaging revolution is spray-on coating for fruits and vegetables. Scientists from Rutgers and Harvard Universities have developed a biodegradable spray-on wrapper. Its main ingredient is pollutin, an edible fiber that the Food and Drug Administration lists as generally recognized as safe. Initial results have been promising. The spray reduced common foodborne pathogens, including E. coli and listeria, and also increased shelf life. Avocados with the coating were less likely to rot, according to reports from the Scientific American, around 50% of treated avocados spoiled within a week as opposed to 90% of the avocados that were not treated. The treated fruit was more likely to stay green inside. Spray-on, rinse-off food wrapper can cut plastic packaging as well, according to Scientific American. The spray-on product is in the developmental stages, although the researchers are hoping to scale up production to ensure that the material is cost-effective and adaptable to current industry equipment. The plan is then to market a on a larger scale to companies and customers who are willing to absorb the relatively higher costs of the innovation. That according to an article on the Food Tank website by Amelia Keller. The president of the American Farm Bureau Federation has signed a memorandum of understanding with executives from John Deere that will give farmers more opportunity to diagnose and repair their own Deere tractors and other equipment. A lot of times dealers are several hours away in some part of the country, according to Zippy Duvall, a Georgia farmer and president of AFBF. He added this is the beginning of a process that they think will be really healthy for farmers and for the country. Duvall announced the agreement at AFBF's annual meeting with which is being held in San Juan this week for the first time. The MOU will give farmers and third-party mechanics the ability to pay for subscriptions or access to deer diagnostic tools and product guides needed to make repairs. In return for signing the agreement, AFBF agrees to encourage state Farm Bureau organizations to back the MOU and decline from introducing, promoting, or supporting federal or state right-to-repair legislation that goes beyond the obligations spelled out in the six-page MOU. The International Energy Agency released its Renewables 2022 analysis report in December, and it shows a growing global demand for biofuels. Renewables 2022 includes extensive analysis of the renewable energy sector, including developments and trends for transportation. In this most recent IEA report, total global biofuel demand is estimated to increase more than 20 percent between 2020 and 2027, according to Isabel Azdul, manager of global ethanol policy and economics with U.S. Grains Council. She says world ethanol consumption is projected to rise in an accelerated case scenario. She also said this reinforces the U.S. industry's recognition of ethanol's importance as a tool for countries to accelerate their greenhouse gas emissions reductions and underscores the importance of scaling up technologies like carbon capture, utilization, and storage to reach net zero carbon intensity. The report details increasingly ambitious energy targets in the European Union, growth in ethanol consumption in Brazil, and biofuel blending in India. Pollinators are a big part of success in world agriculture. The USA has granted a conditional license for a vaccine to protect the country's honeybees from foul brood disease. Earth.com says the bacterial infection weakens and kills honeybee colonies and has no treatment. The vaccine was developed by Dalen Animal Health and brings hope for a weapon against a disease that regularly ravages colonies that are highly important to food pollination. In parts of the U.S., the foul brood disease has been found in over a 
quarter of honeybee hives. Beekeepers typically destroy and burn infected colonies and administer antibiotics to stop further spread of the disease. The vaccine works by incorporating some of the bacteria into the royal jelly fed to the queen bee by worker bees. After ingesting the jelly, the queen will gain some of the vaccine in her ovaries and developing brie larvae that will have immunity to foul brood. Reaction across American agriculture to the Environmental Protection Agency's new Waters of the U.S. rule has not been positive. Reagan Giesenschlaw, manager of government affairs with the Fertilizer Institute, says the new rule supposedly doesn't go as far as earlier proposals in 2022. When they proposed it several months back, I think at the beginning of 2022, it was a lot more extreme. It was a lot broader and brought a lot of things under jurisdiction with a lot of certainty and some of the tests that they used to determine what qualifies as jurisdiction under the Clean Water Act were broader and covered more land in general. And this one does seem to be a bit pulled back from that. At least that's how they're messaging it. While EPA is messaging the rule that way, the agency left a lot of wiggle room in implementing the rule. She says that will make things more challenging in the fertilizer industry. Sometimes when we have to mine the necessary materials to make potash or phosphorus, we have to temporarily disturb wetlands or other aquatic features to extract those materials to produce the fertilizer. So that's kind of where the fertilizer industry and Lotus cross. And it will impact it in that way. Maybe some of these fertilizer expansion projects that USDA had the grant program for, it could potentially delay those depending on who gets awarded. While she doesn't think the new regulation will limit farmers' access to fertilizers, more regulation always means higher costs. I don't think it'll necessarily impact farmers' access to input, but it could add to the backside cost of producing that. If somebody is trying to mine materials, it's all about the permitting and the time and the cost to get those permits. Again, Reagan Giesenschlaw of the Fertilizer Institute. Cover crops are an increasingly popular management practice among many U.S. farmers. The goal is to provide seasonal living cover between their primary commodity cash crops. Farmers plant those cover crops in the fall to provide winter cover for soil that otherwise would be bare. The USDA's Agricultural Resource Management Survey says over the past 10 years, fall cover crop adoption has continued to grow. On fields growing corn for grain, 0.6% of the acreage used a fall cover crop before the 2020-10 crop. By 2016, 5.5% of the corn for grain acreage had a preceding fall cover and by 2021 7.9% of corn for grain acreage followed a fall cover crop this represents a 44% increase in fall cover crop adoption on corn for grain fields between 2016 and 2021 the growth in the adoption of cover crops on cotton fields is similar with a 46% increase between 2015 and 2019 Sponsored by the California Walnut Boarding Commission. Supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. 
Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. (laughs) 